0: Welcome in to the latest edition of the Character Concerns Podcast. My name is Chris Ocero. Joined, as always, by my guy, Jay Binkley. Bink, we just finished week six of the college football season. So we're about halfway through. We've got some teams, Chris, have played seven games Some teams already. have played <laughs> seven, yeah. Uh, I think USC is... Actually, no, USC's played six because they had a bye week. Um, but we are now about halfway through. We've got an idea of who the real contenders are, which teams are are very good but not going to be in the playoff, and which teams are are definitely out. And I think we also now have a pretty good idea, for the most part, of who has really solidified themselves as far as the top of the draft is concerned.
1: No question about it. And I think a lot of times teams are kind of looking at their rosters. They're looking at free agents, who's going to be free agent, who they're going to have to pay and who they need to hit on in the draft. And uh, I was talking to Carrington earlier. You know, we're looking at the Chiefs and thinking about contracts. Like Does Nick Bolton get that second contract? You got to pay the offensive line. Which direction are you going to go? And the Chiefs have been so defensive heavy. What, seven out of ten two years ago, five out of seven last year? And I was like, man, this is the year you go wide receiver in the first round. And with maybe six quarterbacks going in the first round, all of a sudden you're picking like 25th instead of 32nd, if you go out and win the Super Bowl. But still, they're going to be hopefully making a deep run in the playoffs. But you start looking at your roster, and you start figuring out what you need. Is Travis Kelsey getting to the age where you've neglected, tied in for the last couple years, and you've been okay with it because Kelsey's been healthy. But what happens when he's not? And then you look at your wide receiver room, and I think teams are looking at their wide receiver room and realizing what they need to get better. And I think both for the NFL teams – Starting to look at prospects, put their board together, and for the uh, the risers and fallers in this year's draft. Because hey, the combine is important, as we know, but what you do on a week in, week out basis is more important. I think a lot of teams are reevaluating uh, themselves and the way they do things, Chris, after what they've seen from Brock Purdy. What Sir, they've seen from a guy I mean, like that. and everybody not, passed on. you the Niners.
0: Let's not go out of our way and be like, because I don't think that's that's. I think that's more so. Kyle Shanahan's ability to make, like, dumb down the offense enough. For, no question, uh, he's playing to,
1: confidently, and he's, yeah. he's got that, that that quotient that I think is becoming more and more important in the NFL, and that's leadership. Do guys like you or not? And I think that's important. Like a Mac Jones. How much the Patriots actually like it? Well, the 49ers like Brock Purdy, and it shows the way they play football. But, again, everybody's to blame. Even the 49ers uh, passed on him through six different rounds, so it's not like anybody knew what he Or Puka, look at how good he's playing and how he's slipped through the cracks. With the Rams and just how good of a player he's been, he's been one of the best receivers uh, coming out of the draft. So, yes, everybody misses, but this is the time of year you find those guys because you see how they're performing against some of the best teams as all these teams kind of getting into uh, conference play. The SEC will step back and play non-conference games here in a couple of weeks, but – Right now is the meat and potatoes of college football season.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think that a lot of the evaluations that we have for players sometimes can be thrown out because it depends on where they go, it depends on who's coaching them, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you got to be in the right system, you got to have the right amount of help around you. If you don't, then it doesn't matter how good you are. You know, like I don't think Patrick Mahomes would be who he was. If he was playing in New York, you know, with a different team, I just don't think so. I just, I don't think he'd be the same guy. Would Tom Brady be selling insurance if he went to Cleveland? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's at this point, a lot of it. It's not just hey, this player's really talented. You got to go find him. It's also you got to coach him up. You got to put him in the right scenario, and you got to surround him with the right people to get the most out of him. And uh, I really do think that part is underrated. So. I wanted to take time in this episode to recap how the Chiefs rookies are performing to start 2023. We're a quarter through the season now, a little bit past a quarter. And um, I think now we can start to get a good idea of where the development is coming along with these young rookie players and the Chiefs draft class. And so I want to start with the guy who the Chiefs took in the first round with all that pomp and circumstance at the end of that first round there, that Thursday night, we were on the air doing our thing, me, you, and Nick. And, you know, we were kind of debating as the as that whole pageantry was happening who they're going to take, who they're going to take. I know you were pretty resolute that they were going to take Anton Harrison if he were available there. Um, and then you also were like, ah, and once Anton was gone, it's like, oh, they're going to trade it. I was pretty resolute. They're definitely going to go Felix on you, DK Uzama. They did. And thus far, he's actually gotten a decent amount of playing time because Charles Hugh has been suspended due to personal conduct, policy violations. One more game. Just one more game. Uh, Just this Thursday, you know, one more, and and he'll be back. And uh, I would say, thus far in his very young career, um, Felix has shown some promise. He's only got half a sack on the season. But he has been someone that has shown some promise as far as getting pressure on the quarterback. Um, PFF has him as one of their higher graded uh, players from the first round, especially as a, as an edge rusher. Um, he's been more impressive than some of the guys that were taken above him, including guys like Will McDonald IV. Um, and he has shown some potential, but he's got a – He's got to put it together, and, and and certainly it's going to be a little bit more difficult with a minute, Hugh coming back. But I think he's shown some promise there.
1: Hey, I'm with you on on that. And Felix is one of those guys, too, that you're hoping for a carl type, you know, resurgence towards the second half right, of the right, season. Yeah. And start getting the sacks, because oftentimes with young pass rushers, you look at, at the pressure. And last year, the Chiefs in a situation where they hit the quarterback the second most times in the NFL. But you want to get that pressure... Going forward it's as good as your defensive line. Having Chris Jones back helps Felix. It just does having a force there in the middle. And I think having a Minahue on that defensive line, whether, you know, just the attention that he'll be garnering, which he will, he'll garner attention. But what can you get from Felix? But the Chiefs have, you know, spent that draft capital the first round on Karloff, this on Felix going forward. That's definitely positions you need with the edge. And I think the Chiefs have solidified that um i wasn't sure which direction they were going to go i thought there was some built-in pressure to actually have a first round pick because, because of the, it, it was here it was here you did all that and you did all that all that all that show there and it, it makes sense because the hometown guy
0: and you picked him in kansas City. yeah it was it was, a, it was from a storyline standpoint it was it nice. was a great storyline but
1: yeah. I, I think there's actually some validity to it because as Andy Reid said you know you can't have enough edges can't have enough good edges uh when you draft so yeah, I think, the, I think the book is still open on Felix, but I love the way it's, uh, it's reading.
0: So going to the second round, Rasheed Rice, wide receiver taken out of Southern Methodist University. Um, it's funny. I, I just pulled up the stats here. <laughs> Rasheed Rice is the second most targets on the team <laughs> behind Travis Kelsey. And of the receivers that they have on the team, He's, uh, he's second for wide receivers in receiving yards behind Justin Watson. He's number one in wide receivers in targets.
1: And his snap Rice count has is, been kind of low. His
0: snap count has been very low. And you're looking at what he's done thus far. And you think at some point pretty soon, they are going to have to think about giving him more snaps, even above guys like MVS above guys like Sky Moore because in the very short time he's been in the league, quarter of the season, he has shown that he can handle the workload that they've given him. It's time to give him more now. Yeah, he only had, uh, what, uh, 20 snaps
1: last time, which is 30% of the snaps the Chiefs had on offense in that game. Sky Moore ended up with 37 snaps, 56%. That I think will flip flop at some point, and you know I was on this crusade, Chris, where I questioned quite a bit who has more pressure on them, Sky Moore in year two or Rasheed Rice in in year one. And I I stayed and you know, I've stayed true to this. It's been Rasheed Rice because I think the Chiefs look at him as the fact that they didn't go out and get free agent wide receivers, except for the Richie James experiment that they that they did. But for all intents and purposes, Richie James was the big or not Richie James. Uh, Rashie Rice was the big, uh, ga- uh, the big acquisition the Chiefs made. You know, and it was through the draft, in the second round. They didn't, you know, throw a bunch of darts at different wide receivers. They took Rashie Rice and Wandy Morris's offensive skill position. Wynie Morris on the offensive line, Rashie Rice at wide receiver, and in a in a starved wide receiver room, Rashie Rice. And we talked about it at SMU, and a lot of it has been true in the NFL. You have the drop passes, and you have the spectacular catches. And we have both. I think he's a tremendous player yards after catch. If he can get that separation. Then you had that play the Mahomes talked a little bit about today where he thought Rasheed Rice going to go over the top in the end zone there and the ball ended up going over his head. But that's a chemistry thing. A chemistry thing you'll get going forward. Um, it was nice to see Rasheed Rice down in Texas getting acclimated with Mahomes. I think he only gets better for this team. But, again, you look back at his college year. What, 96 catches uh, his last year at SMU. The closest to him was 38 And then 28 catches. He did everything. He did everything. I think his snap count will start to grow. I think he deserves the extra snaps that Sky Moore is getting at this point. And I think you're going to continue to see production from Rasheed Rice going forward.
0: I still disagree on the point with Sky Moore because Sky Moore is getting more snaps for a reason. Because they, they think that he's got a lot of potential. And he's not lived up to it. Rasheed Rice is not getting snaps for reasons because he's a rookie and they're trying to ease him in. So. Ease him in. But I think so, the
1: snap can will start to go I up.
0: do think so, too. I just don't think there's more pressure on Rasheed than Sky because I think I, they,
1: I think they expect more out of Rice.
0: Yeah, but they don't because they're not putting him on the field. So if you're not expecting – if you expect more out of him, why aren't you putting him on As the field? As the season progresses. But the thing is is they're still not doing it. And you're not going to see a ton of the proving, next three weeks. The next
1: three weeks they play at teams that are 30-second defense – Thirty first in defense, thirty second. Well, they could still do it. That isn't yeah. playing
0: terrible defense doesn't stop you from giving Rasheed more snaps. Like the thing is, is the reason why they're not playing him is because they're not expecting much from him. If they were, they would play him more. You don't expect much. You you can't expect a lot from a guy and then not play him. Like sure. that doesn't make any sense. Um, next person, Wanye Morris, tackle out of Oklahoma. This was a guy that was projected to be a right tackle, though for the Chiefs, he's actually been a left tackle. He has not played this year. He has been inactive throughout the season. Uh, You know, he's been one of the healthy scratches there. But it is very apparent, and we talked about this before, you know, after the draft. Um, This is a guy who has left tackle potential. This is a guy who played left tackle when he was originally at Tennessee, next to Trey Smith, who's the chief starting right guard, and Uh, So we knew that he had the potential for it, and we know how the Chiefs are. The Chiefs look at guys as swing tackles. They value guys who can play on either side. And I think that Wanye Morris is what they hoped Darian Kennard would be, a project tackle that they can develop into a starter, but his rookie year, he's redshirting. And I think that's what one is having go right now.
1: And you get a personal recommendation from Trey Smith as far as someone that right, actually exactly. played with yeah. him on, on the right. line at Tennessee. But incomplete. We just don't know enough about Wany e. Morris. You can say what you want about training camp or practices or things like that, but once you get into games in the National Football League. So it's still a big incomplete on Wanye Morris. It sounds good. They're saying the right things. They like him. He's playing well with the Chiefs as far as getting the respect from that uh, Andy reading and the offensive line. But again, that is a tough position to go in and play as a rookie. It is. Because you're protecting the homes, by the
0: way. You're, you're, and you're <laughs> playing against NFL-level edge rushers. Yeah. And that's just a different game, man. Like, there are very few guys that you go up against at the collegiate level that will play that position at the NFL level, even in the SEC. Most of those guys will not be playing in the NFL or will be rotational guys in the NFL, so – It's a it Wanye's definitely got a lot of potential. The fact that they are they moved him from right to left tells you a lot about what they think about him because Andy's just not that guy that's going to go out and make that move like that.
1: It also shows that they see a future hole because Jawan Taylor's not going anywhere for a while. Right, exactly.
0: And, and we obviously and know Donovan that. And Donovan Smith probably will. We obviously know that because, you know, Donovan Smith's like, what, late 20s, early 30s? So it makes sense to get his footwork. Exactly. Like if they the if side. they were looking at Jawan Taylor as, as moving over to the left, then they would not have won. I think that ship has sailed. Me too, me too. Uh, moving on next to the uh, fourth round pick for the Chiefs, Shamari uh, Connor, safety out of Virginia Tech. And um, I think he's actually had a pretty good impact. Very quiet, but I think he's had a good impact for the team. He has been good playing in slot coverage. They have shown him a little bit as a blitzer, especially in preseason. But the thing is, is it's been kind of tough for them to give him, get him time out there because Mike Edwards, the other safety that they acquired in the offseason. He's just got more experience. And he's
1: got experience winning a Super Bowl has -hmm. been his deal. I still like Shamari Connor. I think he was drafted, you know, as maybe a a sneed replacement. That's kind of what the Chiefs do is they draft your your parent in replacement as they've done so many times in the past. Uh, This past week against the Vikings, he only gets one snap on defense. The week before, 10. The week before that, 11. So we started we saw a drastic a snap decline in that game, uh, because I think they wanted to stay with experience going against Justin Jefferson and yeah, everything in that passing yeah, game. I
0: think so too. But
1: he played he's played 75, 77, 72, 82, and 78% of the special team snaps. And this is what you got him for. He's a four phaser. You can put him anywhere you want on special teams. Guys grow Nazi Johnson did a lot of this last year, and they were expecting him to tell the injury, expecting to big things out of Nazi Johnson. This year, and I think Shamari Connor is still incomplete. It is nice to see him get out there as much as he is on special teams, though.
0: Yeah, I like I said, I think there's a lot of promise for for Connor. I think, I mean, we both liked him when they when they took him. We both liked that pick. I know that was your favorite pick, favorite that, draft they, pick. that they had. And I, I looked at it and I was like, yeah, this is this is the guy. <laughs> yeah, this is a good, this is a spags player right here. For, for I mean, Steve CDs.
1: made himself some money this past weekend. He yeah. just did. I mean, what he did on Justin Jefferson, the physicality he showed Justin on the line, Justin's a game wrecker. And he can't, could have changed that game, right? Yeah, because we've seen receivers take over uh, at times against the Chiefs. But if you can get that kind of production, that in-your-face—I mean, the Vikings were in their mouths and talking a lot of smack. But it was the Chiefs, yeah, kind of leveling that. MVS took Byron Murphy and threw him to the ground. Byron he Murphy did. was doing all the talking. Yeah, he was doing. Uh, he, was he, was he was talking about did. Kelsey. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 <laughs> MVS literally stiff-armed him right to his ass, right to the ground. Yeah. But the physicality, and I think people are forgetting just how physical. This team has been, and these rookies they bring in are physical type players. And I know Snead's not a rookie, but you know he has grown into a a man out there when he plays football. But his difference in what he was doing to Justin Jefferson—that was uh, big time stuff from Lejiri Snead.
0: The the one thing that we've kind of gathered from the Chiefs the last couple years—they want they want hitters, they want violent defensive backs. It's the reason why they she got me that way. Yeah, he's, you know, you watch on tape, like the violence from his hits, you notice. It's one of the things about Trent McDuffie, even though, yeah, he's great coverage, fluid hips, but the one thing that really popped out to me, willing tackler. He's a good tackler, and I've I've been talking about this all season long. The one thing that's helped the Chiefs defense improve so much is the fact that their DBs tackle, and so you're going to... Go after guys that show the showcase that ability to go out there and just make basic tackles really well. And Connor has shown that, and I think that's why he'll fit into what this team does, and it's the reason why I think like you know should Snead leave, which I think we both agree he will. Um, Connor can go in and kind of play that Snead role, that utility knife in the uh, in the uh, secondary. He can play that role really. You well. Sit back, you absorb what you
1: can. Yeah. And then next year, you, it's great, though. You're not exactly redshirt to me either because he's getting that experience playing the special teams. Like you said, he's usually good enough for 10 or 11 snaps on defense. This past week, he didn't get that kind of shot uh, against the Vikings in the passing game. But, you know, look for it in other times. I mean, look for it a lot the next three weeks. I expect a double-digit uh, snap count from Shemarie Connor in the next three.
0: So moving on to the uh, the fourth round. No, the fifth round, actually. We have B.J. Thompson, edge rusher out of Stephen F. Austin. This was a guy that, like, we knew, like, this was such a Brett Veach pick when we saw that happen. It was like, oh, yeah. that's. I was like, I bet you that's a guy who probably played at a Power 5 school,
1: pass left,
0: like went somewhere else, went to a smaller school, and is just a great physical specimen and – just hasn't doesn't have the skill doesn't have the the, the skill worked out yet to play that position and it was way undersized as Stephen f austin he was 220 as an edge rusher which is way too damn small so he's had to he put on 20 pounds before the draft and you know they were talking like hey he's gonna put on more weight uh once he gets acclimated uh he has not played this year he has been healthy scratch every game and i think that this is a redshirt year for him i don't think he's going to play at all this year unless it's absolute emergency.
1: i don't think so either and it's going to be hard for him to get on the field next year it's the position that he plays and getting out there and again this is you take these reaches sometimes because you think the coaches are going to coach him up every gm thinks and we've seen this in baseball as well you think your coaching staff will will take somebody next level and we don't know big huge incomplete on bj at this point i don't
0: think we can give him a grade this year can't because i don't think he's going to play I don't think he's going to take a single snap. Didn't think he's going to get played the night of the draft, even. Yeah, I just I think that yeah, I think yeah, we both agreed he's he's not he's not a twenty three guy. He's a he's a twenty four and beyond guy, which is always scary. Yeah, it is, but like again, this is a fifth round pick. This is not a guy that you're. I mean, how many fifth round picks do you know? Do teams hit on? Not that much. So at this point, you're just hoping that you're just taking a guy. You're taking a gamble on a guy with high upside. And you hope that you can coach him up, and he puts in the work to get better, you know. And hopefully he gets it. So uh, at this point, yeah, I don't think we can give a grade to that. I don't think we can really put a kind of reminds me of a Kendo type pick. Oh, is 100 percent Yeah. 100 percent Kendo. It was basically yeah, Joshua Doe didn't work. Okay, let's get another type like you kid. take a project on it.
1: Yeah, a Tano Passanio type guy. Okay, this guy could. you you hated that. It's boom bus. hated Boomer Bust. You Boomer Bust. Bus.
0: You were so mad when they picked Passanio. Boomer Bust, man.
1: <laughs> it's a Boomer Bust pick, and we could afford to do it this year.
0: Moving on to the sixth round, uh, uh, Keandre Coburn, Snacks. defensive tackle out of Texas. Uh, we both really liked this pick. It was a guy that we both liked. Um, and uh, dude, did either of us mock him? To I the did. Cheese? I think you did. It's yeah. the one guy I had right. Yes. Um, I, so this year's tough because there's so much of a log jam at defensive tackle. The Chiefs are actually pretty deep on their defensive line, especially when a comes back. Um, they don't need him this year. He was active game one. Yes. He's been inactive. And he was right. actually pretty, he was pretty good. Yeah, he's, he's been, been active, pretty good
1: on the field. It surprised me. I really thought when the stamp counts came out at the end of the year, he'd be one of the top rookies for the Chiefs. I, I was incredibly wrong on yeah. that. Because he played so much at Texas. Like He played all the time. He's very resilient, very athletic for his size. But again... Redshirt year for Keandre Coburn. I do think he'll be a fixture on this defense moving forward. I think there is big plans for him at this point. You're hearing all the right things for uh, Keandre Coburn. I just thought he would be, maybe he'll start getting active as we move through the season. He was on game one, but then as we've progressed, cause, you know, obviously not having Chris Jones um, helps a guy like Coburn. You know, you need more defensive line depth as you can. So we're seeing less and less, and hopefully we'll start to see a little more snacks.
0: I I don't think he's going to play very much this year, just because of depth. You know, it, we we just look. We know how Andy is. We know how the Chiefs are. They don't want to force rookies to play if they don't if they're not ready. Like Andy will not play someone if he does not think he's ready. And I think they look at the situation with Cobra and they're like, "Hey, he's talented. We had to play him week one out of necessity, and he was he was pretty good in the the little time he had." But we've got better guys, and we just got Chris Jones back. So those are going to be our priority. We're going to play our best guys. And then Coburn can learn, and if something happens to somebody, somebody gets hurt, he can come in, we trust him to play. Um, But, you know, with O'Minahue coming back, that's going to hurt his ability to get on the field even more because O'Minahue's going to play a lot on the inside. Dana has been great rushing from the edge and especially from the inside he's been excellent rushing from the three tech. and has made himself some money this year yeah and he's definitely made himself some money and uh i definitely think that uh coburn probably is a guy that sees the field more next year because i don't this might be Derek naughty's last year with the team and i think coburn kind of plays the Derek naughty role Plays that role run stuff for a guy. You yeah, I like don't think I don't think Coburn's gonna be I don't think I mean I think they hope that Coburn can be a pass rusher on the interior, but I think for them, at the very minimum, he's gonna be our designated run stopper. So and then uh finally, seventh round pick for the Chiefs, cornerback out of ball state, Nick Jones. Um Nick Jones, very unfortunate, suffered an injury very early in you know, early on in camp there. So he's not playing. And uh, it's a tough situation where you've got a guy who actually was showing a lot of promise in camp and then you get an injury from him and that kind of affects his status. And he wasn't going to play a whole lot anyways this year just because of um, uh, mainly just because of the fact that you've got such a deep wide receiver, I mean a cornerback class. But special teams is really kind of where his contribution is. Special teams, he played 65% of the snaps against the Jets,
1: 46% um, against the Vikings. Still zero defensive snaps. Yeah, and he's not – Special teams is the only time – And
0: I just don't think he's going to get that. Was inactive
1: the first three weeks of the season. So, at least it's trending in the right direction. using For special teams. Yeah, and he broke
0: his hand. He broke broke some fingers, which I can – I broke – I broke a finger earlier this year. Uh, it sucked. So I, I get it. I get it. It's, it's very unfortunate. Um, but yeah, he's, I mean, he's probably not going to play very much, if at all, on defense. Special teams, though, that's really kind of yeah, where at his least value he's getting is. out there and Shamari Conner in it. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. That. And that's, where, that's how you're going to work your way up the roster. And you can get some playing time being uh, a, a really strong defensive player. I mean, a really strong special teams player. You can work your way up there. So overall, I, I think. This was one of those classes where this was not a class about immediate impact. This was a class of we're going to just, you know, make some lottery picks here. We're going to pick some numbers for the lottery and we'll hope that we win. But this is more about finding the best talent you can. The only player I look at as someone that's probably going to see a, a really increased impact throughout the season is Rasheed Rice. I think Rasheed Rice is the only person we could look at right now and say, that person deserves more time on the field. Everyone else, I think uh, the team's going to take slowly and work their way along, and then we'll kind of see maybe next year them ramping up their roles. It
1: was a uh, definitely a house, uh, house or uh, Chiefs played house money in the draft this year. Last year, they needed them. So you had five rookie defensive backs playing in the Super Bowl. Right Again, only two teams had more snaps by rookies, and they were picking one and two in the draft, and the Chiefs won it. Uh this was more uh playing house money. Rasheed Rice is the one guy that's probably gonna be more excited than any of the I'm, I'm excited about Felix and those guys going forward, but Rasheed Rice is the guy I'm really, really interested. See where he fits in this wide receiver room. See where he fits. Is he fit as the number two wide receivers? Is he fit as the three.
0: Where is his role gonna end up with the Chiefs? Yeah. I, like I said, I think that I think Rasheed, I don't know if he's the I don't know if he's a future number one receiver for the team, but I think with what we've seen from him, at the very least, he could be a very strong number two, and you'll take that. <laughs> you'll yeah. take that. Um, so, moving on to our weekly prospect recap, um, we got some guys who had some really strong weeks this 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 past weekend. Starting off with uh, Ohio State wide receiver Marvin Harrison Jr., who showcased why he's the top receiver in this draft class: eight catches, 163 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, this week for Ohio State, Ohio State was actually in a in a battle. There it was it was not a they weren't out here blowing out blowing out the the obs like they usually do. They were in a battle this week.
1: It's not been as easy for Ohio State going forward because the quarterback
0: position than, has not been the thought. same.
1: But Marvin Harrison Jr. continues to show why he's the top receiving prospect in the country. It's not even close. Nearly 500 yards receiving now, 25 uh, catches on the year, and four touchdowns. He has just been a man amongst boys. I mean, he's just killing Nick Buka over 200 yards more than him. But you're starting to see more, like three of the last four games, 163, 126, and 160. did have that three for 32 against Notre Dame. Wasn't a big, you know, wasn't a big problem for the uh, Fighting Irish in that game, but he's had some Marvin Harrison Jr. type games the last three, or three of the last four, excuse me.
0: Then moving on to uh, UCLA edge rusher Liatu Latu. Um, he had a sack on, uh, you know, this past weekend, and now he's just starting to really make his case, I think, for being one of, if not the top, edge rusher taken in this draft class. Um you know, I've been talking about him for the last month or so. He's getting more uh, runs, showing more than uh, he's thirst. showing... and not only that, but UCLA's defense is really good. And actually. A big win for
1: UCLA. Big
0: win for them. They got another big game coming up this weekend. Uh, this is a very competitive Pac-12 conference, which is crazy because it's the last year it's going to be around, and uh, UCLA is really making a strong case there for uh, being able to compete for that for that conference and. Liatu Latu has been a major part of that. Um, then you've got uh, Georgia tight end Brock Bowers, who I think at this point now is starting to separate himself from Jatavian Sanders. I think he's been doing it for the last couple weeks. Um, this past weekend he had seven catches, 132 yards, and a touchdown. Um, yeah, I think at this point now he's by and la- you know, by far now the best tight end in this draft class.
1: I think you make an argument that he's the best player in college football as far as skill position players. And he's starting to creep up the uh, Heisman odds, which is unusual to see a tight end. Even I told you, today. I told you,
0: like, if Georgia continues to be dominant, he's going to be in the running Well, for the sure. one thing about Bowers
1: is, I mean, think about these last three weeks, Chris. 7 for 132, 8 for 157, 9 for 121. Four touchdowns in that mix. He has been everything. And, and people were waiting for Georgia to finally break out. Well, they did. This was uh, their statement game. They played a ranked team in Kentucky, fifty one to thirteen over a ranked team. Um Carson Beck, I think gonna start getting some run as well. Cause he's not even listed amongst top quarterbacks coming out of the draft. Yeah. I mean I, I maybe think he's, a, he's been saying the indications he wants to stay, but still he's a junior. He can do whatever I think, he wants.
0: I think a lot of it is just people don't know who the hell he is. And so if you don't know who he is, you're not gonna list him up top there if you haven't seen much of him. So I get it. Um then moving on to uh this our guy's first that year starting I so. think we both um I think is the number two guy and Jatavian Sanders, tight end out of Texas. Not a good week this week. One catch for 13 yards. And they needed him. They, needed they did need him. It's who you're playing.
1: Yeah. And it was Oklahoma.
0: I think the ankle injury probably played a, a major factor in his his lack of production this week. Um so I'm willing to give him a pass for that. Um we both know. I mean, you played football, I played football, soccer, all these other sports. When you get an ankle injury, that thing just doesn't just go away. It lingers, you know. I know professional athletes who have issues with ankle injuries. I had issues with ankle injuries. I, I this reason why I usually wear high-top shoes because <laughs> uh, I, I got to I gotta wear them because I'm prone to sprained ankles. So I get it. Once you sprain your ankle, it is something that you just don't get over that easily. It can linger for weeks, especially if it's a high ankle. Um, so I imagine, yeah, Jatavian probably doesn't have the same kind of Speed, same ability to cut, and uh, hopefully it's not something that lingers because if it does, it could affect his draft stock because teams might be looking at him and be like, "Oh, he's not that dude," and hopefully that's not the case. I don't want him to lose money on this, <laughs> unless it results in him getting picked by the Chiefs. <laughs> Even though, yeah, it's like you know, once you get around that, the late twenties, early thirties is not a huge, huge difference between the uh, contracts there. And then another tight end uh, out of Kansas State, Ben Sinnott. Had four catches for 39 and a touchdown. Not blowing me away, but you see promise. Yeah, you see promise.
1: And I think a lot of it comes down to his quarterback, Will Howard. Not really putting in a position because Ben Sennett should have been a guy. uh, He needs to be a go-to guy for Kansas State. And you didn't see it. Brock Powers has clearly always been that guy for Georgia. He continues to get better. This is part of the season where you see want to see Ben Sennett start to shine. And I think. Had he got more targets in that game, then maybe a different result. Is Kansas State really in a battle with Oklahoma State? But Ben Senate uh, was a guy that I think was a lot of byproduct of Will Howard struggling
0: in that game. Yeah, I think so too. I think uh, Will Howard is he's cost Kansas State a lot this year. Uh, turnovers just and and it's not like they're. It's not like it's like, hey, you know, you got folding coverage. He's just heaving the ball down the field, and it's getting picked off. It's like double coverage. It was a bad night. They're all bad. All of his picks are bad. They're not like, hey, that's a great play by the defender. No, it's like that's a terrible pick that you should have never thrown in the first place. Um, Then you've got LSU wide receiver Malik Nabors. Six catches, 146 yards, and a touchdown. I think he solidified himself as the number two receiver in this draft class. Just production-wise, consistent. This man is... It, like, if we were doing, like, college football fantasy, I mean, he'd have to be the top wide receiver in college football fantasy. If it
1: wasn't for uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. this year, I'd say, okay. Another guy that I really like on the LSU team, though, and I think he's really starting to climb, Brian Thomas Jr. Yeah. This is the guy, keep in mind, six four, But he's got uh, nine touchdowns already. Like, he is a touchdown machine, Brian Thomas. I mean, is he a byproduct of everybody giving Malik neighbors, um Attention this year, maybe, with the nine touchdowns. But what a pairing that is between Bryant and We've seen a lot of these great pairings with wide receivers and quarterbacks this year in college football. But Link Neighbors is just special. Well, that was a great game for wide receiver talent with Luther Burden in that game as right. well. Yeah. Luther's Burden's not great. draft eligible this year. Yeah. But Luther Burden...
0: <laughs> He
1: would make a case
0: for for being that number one. He's number one in receptions yeah. and yards. In I think he, I think I think sophomore. this year he would make a strong case. If he were draft eligible, he would make a very strong case for the top wide receiver.
1: I I, think, I still think Marvin Harrison Jr. would go above, but certainly I
0: I could see someone talking themselves into place, especially see, if Burton had a really strong combine. If he had a strong combine and a and a really strong pro day, I think he would work himself above Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, and then finally, Jared Verse. Finally, Jared. Edge, rush, edge rusher out of Florida State. Two sacks. So he's game now, for Jared. Now he's got two and a half sacks on the season because he got half a sack like three weeks ago. He dominated for Jared. So it was Jared. like a month ago. Uh, but he finally had a great game. Two sacks on the season. So now he's at two and a half on the season. Um, this is the kind of performance that he needed to have in order to resurrect his draft stock. No question about it. I'll be
1: watching this week. I know Syracuse. Uh, took a bad loss last week, but the Syracuse Florida State game is definitely one I want to watch because I, I want to sit there and watch Johnny Wilson, watch Jared Verse, and watch these different prospects for Florida State. So I will be. We'll see. We'll see if Jared Verse can keep that momentum going. See if I can watch a game and think, okay, this guy's starting to dominate and take over a game like he did last week. Can he do it this week against Syracuse? I bet he
0: does. Yeah, I think so too. Um, So, moving on to uh, guys who made themselves some money. Our money makers for the week. Um, I'm starting with uh, Northern Illinois' running back. I think it's uh, Ontario uh, Brown. He had 13 attempts. 13 attempts for 280 yards rushing, four touchdowns. On the season, he's got 616 yards and five touchdowns um obviously that number's been buoyed it's by 280 and a half yards carry. Yards. that's what i'm saying <laughs> As obviously it's been buoyed by the fact that he got 280 yards in a single game but now you're looking at another running back that could be a a, a third day or even undrafted that could come into a team and actually be a really good acquisition and and you know be someone that could contribute hey, to a team's running
1: backs in this year's draft class you know but again fifth sixth, seventh rounders and even the big market last year was the undrafted free agent, running backs, not even drafted, getting taken. But Ontario Brown, stand up for the Mac. Chiefs like Mac uh, running backs, by the way. They do. They do. That's where
0: Kareem Hunt came out of so. Yep, they they do like those guys. Another guy out there, Colorado State edge rusher Mohamed Kamara. Three sacks this past weekend. He's got nine sacks on the season. He leads yeah. the FBS in sacks. And I'm going to tell you this, man, like, teams care about production he's got good size about 6'3 245 um you know some systems might want him to add a little bit of weight but the thing about him is that when you're incredibly productive at that level teams are going to give you a look especially because um especially you know third day second third day i think he's probably third day um but teams are going to want to get someone with some production who's Got some moves, and you gotta you gotta have some moves if you're getting out here and getting nine sacks in half the season.
1: Yeah, it really shows you in Colorado State a few prospects as well this year. But having nine sacks dominates. Of course, that Colorado game was a game that uh they give up a lot of sacks. So it's, it's <laughs> a bad offensive line that they end up going uh, with there. But uh, we'll see where he can end up on this. But again. We've seen more and more quality edges drafted in the mid-rounds. It used to be the first round, forget about it. it was a, you look at top 20 sackers in the right. NFL, which I have the last couple of years, and it is like 60 or 70% drafted in the first round, if not higher at certain times.
0: Yeah, but now that's you're starting to find some depth second day, third day. Teams are finding good, if not great, pass rushers there. I mean, we've seen the Chiefs. You know, Chris Jones is a second-round pick. Mike Dana was a fifth-round pick. They have
1: 25th best edge on draft buzz. Yeah. Is, yeah,
0: I mean, you know. It, that's it, mid-round. That's mid-round, and he could work his way up, especially if he has a strong combine. If he has a strong combine with this kind of production, he could work his way up into late first round, if not second day. Um, I think he's got a lot of potential there. So, um, definitely a guy to watch out for. Um, then a guy you brought up to me last week. Horton, uh, after as well from
1: that team after uh,
0: yeah another guy you brought up to me last week after he had a big performance against kansas texas running back jonathan brooks oh jonathan this past weekend against oklahoma 22 carries 129 yards and a touchdown on the season he has 726 rushing yards six touchdowns he also has 10 catches for 121 yards right now he's third in the fbs in rushing yards he is really showing you that he could be a really good second-day running
1: back. Again, there's a bunch of these guys. Ray Davis at Kentucky, Jonathan Brooks. Oh, yeah, who just
0: yeah. tore my my Florida Gators up and they he played did. Kentucky.
1: Yeah. He, he would have been in the moneymakers last week. Yeah, we'll we'll was. What he was. see against Missouri. Yeah. That'll be fun. Yeah, we'll see. Kentucky yeah. and Missouri, he's a fun skill position, guys. But Brooks, I mean, again, good game, great competition against a rival showing
0: up. Texas did not get the win over Oklahoma, but Jonathan Brooks continues to look solid. And then another guy who is not draft eligible but certainly want to look out for for 2025, safety out of Buffalo, Devin Grant. Three picks this past weekend. Two of them were pick sixes. Right now he's tied for the lead in the FBS with four picks on the season. Again, this is a true sophomore really showing a lot of those skills there as a ball hawk and, being able, able stop the it, and being able to return it for a touchdown Get too. Up, yeah. Two of them in that game there. I'm I'm really impressed by this kid. He's really starting. You're starting to hear some buzz about him on the, the draft circles for 25.
1: Leipold needs to get him in that transfer portal.
0: Yeah, I'm sure that somebody's going to try to scoop him up in the now, transfer portal. He wasn't portal. there when Leipold was yeah, there. But yeah, because yeah, he's Buffalo, a sophomore. Yeah. Hey,
1: Leipold's staff, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, we're at Wisconsin Whitewater with Leipold at Buffalo with him. And at Kansas, so certainly a Buffalo guy on the This radar. could be
0: a monster transfer for somebody. Absolutely, And he could be a first-round safety if he continues playing like this.
1: I added a couple here, Chris, because you see their stock kind of going up, especially in the Heisman uh, conversation. And could he get drafted? I mean, the guy that's played, what, five years of college football, played at UCF, Dylan Gabriel, 285 yards passing, 113 yards rushing. But the thing that impressed me most about Dylan Gabriel, the, the uh, quarterback of Oklahoma, undefeated Oklahoma, is he led that game-winning drive. I want to see what a quarterback does against the rival and can he carry his football team down the field and get a touchdown. And Dylan Gabriel, not going to be a first-rounder whatsoever, but will be a guy drafted in the NFL as a quarterback. But what he did in that game was impressive. And the other guy, and this guy is so much fun to watch. This might be the most fun quarterback to watch in college football. The LSU defense sucks. Their offense is championship caliber. Jaden Daniels, he won the game against Missouri. 259 yards passing, three touchdowns, 130 yards rushing. That rushing killed Missouri in one touchdown. The week before, by the way, against Old Miss, 414 passing, four touchdowns. He ran for 99. So the last two weeks, Chris, nine touchdowns, 673 yards passing, 229 yards rushing for Jaden Daniels. That is moving up uh, charts. When you put nine touchdowns against not Middle Tennessee State, you're doing it against Old Miss and Missouri.
0: Gabriel's probably a day three guy, but I think Jaden Daniels has probably locked himself in as a day two guy. I think so, probably too, a second round
1: pick. But it just it's the versatility of doing both, being yeah. able to throw the ball well, run the ball well. Both these guys showing kind of what the modern NFL wants. But I think those guys definitely are some money makers. Uh, I think
0: I think they could be good acquisitions for teams who've got good quarterbacks but maybe they're getting up there in age or maybe that player has some injury issues or whatnot or maybe a contract's coming up and they're like, I mean, our quarterback's mediocre, but we can we can develop an improvement. Um, he's going to be a guy I could see someone taking, uh, you know, kind of like wh- what you saw with like Detroit and Hendon Hooker where they took him and it's like, okay, this is he's not going to play anytime soon, but maybe we can develop him into the next starting quarterback for us. So um, yeah, he's showing Chiefs- some.
1: Here's the one thing about the Chiefs, Chris. I, I, I do think they're in the market to develop another quarterback. Shane Bouchel was that kind of development guy that was an undrafted guy. But, again, I'm not saying out of the equation the Chiefs don't throw a, a dart at a quarterback in the later rounds.
0: Just maybe the back of Mahomes. Never maybe, gonna start, on the, but, maybe
1: on the third day. But Yeah, third day, but develop a quarterback behind Mahomes because there's only a certain amount of uh, veteran quarterbacks you can go out and grab. They did it this year with Blake Gabbard. So they jettisoned the Shane Buschell, but again, a guy kind of in that mold.
0: I don't think they will. I kind of feel like the Chiefs are just one of those teams like we we want vets behind Mahomes. And you look at it like even behind Alex, it was all vets. They weren't developing rookies behind Alex. They were uh they were generally having some vets there, you know, save for like a Aaron Murray or Tyler Bray. But like they didn't think those guys were gonna be anything. Yeah. That was a, a shot in the dark. That was a BJ Thompson type deal. Um But they valued experience at the backup quarterback spot. So uh, moving on to our watch list for week seven. A lot of strong matchups this week. Again, last week had some really strong. Last two weeks, really strong matchups. This one, though, uh, really good as well. Starting out Friday night, Stanford takes on Colorado in Boulder. Um, Obviously, Shador Sanders is going to be someone to watch for. Right now, he leads uh, the FBS in passing yards. So he's I mean he's out here slinging it. They don't have a defense at all, but he's out here slinging it. But Stanford sucks. This yeah, will be Stanford's a
1: major stat game for yes, Sanders yeah. And then Stanford's uh, about as bad as I've seen.
0: And then Xavier Weaver Weaver, their uh, their top wide receiver, he is also uh, someone to, to look out for in this game. It as looks well. like Travis
1: Hunter even though he won't be draft eligible this year, you're still talking about what a top five pick probably for the following year. Coming off the injury, yeah, that, that that's hit, a that's that a gotta watch. Is he, is he back State. now? But it looks like he could play. That's the kind of the latest on him. So that in yeah, not, he'll not locked in, but he's
0: been practicing. He'll there he'll though. be competing with Burden next year for top wide receiver. Yeah. Um, then moving on to Saturday. You've got Georgia taking on Vandy. This is going to be a beatdown for Georgia. They are going to destroy Vandy. Uh, this is going to be a game you expect Brock Bowers to eat and he, he has eat. been we said yeah. the last three games yeah he'
1: incredible he's
0: gonna have a hell of a first half there
1: and Carson Beck the quarterback's been making some money the last couple weeks
0: yeah yeah definitely um then you have Indiana going up to Ann Arbor to take on Michigan I mean this is a game full of talent on the Michigan side you got J.J. McCarthy a quarterback could be a first round quarterback I think he is I, I think, think you've got you've got two running backs who are probably going to be maybe late first, if not second round, that being Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards. Both of those guys are going to be hits wherever they go. And then you got defensive tackle Chris Jenkins for Michigan as well. So especially Chris Jenkins, I would say, is someone you guys should watch. But... McCarthy's gonna be interesting because of the hierarchy there with the draft, because again, there's a lot of good quarterbacks in this draft
1: class. If you win the Super Bowl, you're picking 32. <laughs> in reality, you're picking 24. Yeah. So
0: it's it's you know, that that's gonna be interesting there. Then you've got Ohio State taking on Purdue, obviously wide receivers, Marvin Harrison Jr., Emeka Egbuka. But then on the defensive side, you've got Tyleek Williams, who's been working his way up draft charts, could be a first round pick at defensive tackle. You have Michael Hall Jr. as a potential, probably second or third day defensive tackle, and then both of their edge rushers, J.T. Tui Malowau and then Jack Sawyer on the other side. Both of those guys, uh, I, I expect J.T. to be a first round pick. Uh, Sawyer probably second day, but both of those guys are are going to be interesting to watch here as well because edge rusher really kind of rules the draft. And the sack numbers
1: down a little bit for Sawyer, six and a half the year before three of the year before that only half a sack this year Ohio State's only team was loaded not just one player at each position but two
0: yes yeah they they generally are a team that's that recruits so well they overload on talent um then you got Syracuse taking on Florida State you've got both again a two wide receiver team there uh with uh Johnny Wilson Jr. Keon Coleman um Johnny Wilson Jr. is going to be the safe guy I think in the draft Keon Coleman, I think, is going to be the upside guy. Who's you know somebody's going to take because they're like, okay, we think this guy's going to be uh, the best receiver here. Um, I put Jared Verse on here now for now because he had a two sack game and he I'll looked like he might be fine. I want
1: to see him. I want to see. Him I
0: want to see number five do something. The here. other guy I threw on here, Chris, was Gene Bell. It's a guy that I put on here
1: last couple weeks. Only ten catches on the year, but you look at a lot of draft charts. You know, the fourth, fifth best tight end in college football. He's undersized. But definitely a top-five tight end. He transferred from South Carolina where he played originally. Um, supposed to play. Um, this from the coach. Uh, banged up last week. Very limited in practice. Um, so it looks like we're going to see him play in the game. Definitely get more than seven snaps like he did last week. But watch Jaheen Bell with those great Florida State wide receivers. Because, again, he's in the 230 you know pound range. But Jaheen Bell is incredibly athletic.
0: Arkansas taking on Alabama in Tuscaloosa. Um, here, obviously, Edge, Dallas Turner, probably the top edge rusher in this draft class. Um, the, probably the top corner in this draft class, Kool-Aid McKinstry, another guy to watch for for Alabama, and defensive tackle McKinley Jackson as well. Um, Going to be some interesting guys to watch on that, on that uh, Alabama team. And, and the team. Chiefs love
1: SEC guys. Brett Beach was an SEC scout in Philadelphia. Yes. He's one in Kansas City. I threw a couple of their corners on here because I think this defensive backfield, pretty damn good for Alabama. And uh, Terry and Arnold, the corner, and Malachi Moore, who plays that star position at Alabama. And you might know star position from Brian Branch. He plays it. He played at Alabama before Malachi Moore. Of course, he got that pick six for Detroit against Kansas City in week one. And J.C. Latham, who's a kind of a top uh, top five offensive tackle, uh, playing on the right side, can play left side. But J.C. Latham, uh, the tackle for Alabama, uh, definitely someone to watch as well.
0: Uh, a top ten matchup, Oregon taking on Washington. In Seattle, you've got Bo Nix for Oregon at quarterback spot, could be a first-round quarterback. And then you've got a loaded Washington offense, Michael Penix Jr. at quarterback, Roma Dunsey at wide receiver. The other, other wide receiver on the other side is Jalen McMillan, and then slot receiver is going to be Jalen Polk. Um, I think all three of these receivers, I think I think for sure Dunsey is a first-round pick. I think that McMillan could very well be a first-round pick. He's been then, banged up a little bit. Yeah, he's been banged up, but I think there's a there's a good shot that he could be a first-round pick, maybe late, if not early second. And then Jalen Polk, second-day guy as well.
1: And, and the one thing about Polk is, Chris, you know he's been on my radar the whole season I keep talking about Jalen Polk. Uh, Draft Buzz is now moving to the 12th receiver. He couldn't even find me before the season. We're talking about risers. With Jalen McMillan, McMillan missing a couple games there, Jalen Polk is taking over again. We talk about great, you know, double wide receivers like Ohio State has, too. You look at uh, LSU with Brian Thomas and Malik Neighbors. You look at Washington, there's not a better wide receiver room in the country, top to bottom, than Washington with Michael Penix.
0: I know, and there's some really good wide receiver rooms. And getting used to a left-handed yeah. quarterback. Ohio State, Florida State, and yet, and, and, yeah, and, yet, and yet you've got Washington, and they've got the best one in the country right now. Um, then you've got Auburn taking on LSU, obviously Malik Neighbors. Uh, you've got uh, Jaden Daniels. You've got Mason Smith, defensive tackle for LSU. Defensive tackle, Makai Wingo as well.
1: And then Brian Thomas, the other wide receiver with Malik. Yes.
0: So they've got some options. There's, there's certainly a lot of talent. The LSU generally is stock full of talent. Yeah, I put a guard in there for him too. Uh, keep an eye on Garrett Dellinger,
1: kind of a mid-round guy who plays center. Because, again, an Andy Reid type guy, you get the mid rounds. You know, he can play center, can play guard, can move all up and down, play anywhere, actually, on the offensive line. But keep an eye on uh, Garrett Dellinger. He'll start a guard for uh, LSU.
0: K State takes on Texas Tech in Lubbock. You've got Ben Sennett, tight end for Kansas State, and also guard Cooper Beebe, who's, I think Cooper's probably going to be a first round pick at at guard. I think so. I think K State has
1: him still as a first round pick again this year in Cooper.
0: Then you've got a uh, another ranked matchup here: USC taking on Notre Dame in South Bend. Um, Caleb Williams, obviously, will be a, a, a gonna you know, er, every game he plays in is going to be notable because he's probably going to be the top quarterback taken. I was up till one thirty in the morning with, with Mister Notable. <laughs> <laughs> Not have a great yeah, game. Yeah. Against Arizona. yeah, it wasn't it's that, It wasn't that great. Uh, then you got the quarterback in the other uh, other side line there with Sam Hartman. He's going to be over there. Autrick Estime, which I figured out how to say his last Estime. name. Autric yeah. Estime, running back out of Notre Dame, who no longer is the 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 lead rusher in college football, um, though he's still having a great year. Both tackles for Notre Dame: Joe Alt, Blake Fisher, and Cam Hart, cornerback. As it's a well. corner
1: that I really like, Cam Hart for uh, Notre Dame.
0: Then you've got Miami who's coming off a devastating loss to Georgia Tech where they just blew it. They could have kneeled it. It's one of
1: three coaches' decisions. I thought <laughs> yeah, they were just head scratchers. You could have
0: kneeled it and instead you decided to run it. Fumble, gets you know, they two plays later they score a touchdown. They deserve to
1: lose, but by the way, that wasn't a fumble. It no, wasn't fumble, down. but it doesn't <laughs> but it doesn't matter.
0: Lose. It doesn't matter. You should have kneeled it. So um yeah, obviously Drake May is gonna be someone to watch for here. Uh him him and Penix, I think, are battling out for number two quarterback. Both tackles for, for Miami, Zion Nelson, Francis Maui Goa, guys to watch for. Um, then you got a couple of guys here that you've added to this list. Yeah, safety James Williams, quarterback Tyler Van Dyke. Again, I was really
1: looking forward uh, to this matchup until uh, Miami inexplicably uh, yeah. lost. And Van
0: Dyke didn't play very well last week, but still, like um, somebody to, who could be a second-day pick in the draft, we'll obviously see. But yeah, certainly not a great performance from him. Last but
1: James week. Williams is someone to watch at safety for Miami. He's 6 215. Yes. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's a, a very very big safety. He's thumper. I mean, you don't see many safeties at 6-5. I mean, he's a noticeable player on that field. Yeah, you
0: don't see very many players who are not linemen who are 6-5 in in there or quarterbacks. Like there's usually if a guy is 6-5, he's playing on the line. They're not playing a, a skill position. <laughs>
1: So that's been a second on the team and tackles yeah. last year. Yeah.
0: Then finally we've got UCLA ta- number eighteen UCLA taking on number fifteen Oregon. Guys look out for DJ Uigalale, quarterback for Say it again. Uh names, man. <laughs> I, uh, it's funny I, seeing the
1: announcers I, try to uh, DJ you just call him DJ. Yeah, or... DJ,
0: I know. I don't blame him. <laughs> that one took some practice there. Yeah, but nice DJ Uigalale is uh starting quarterback for Oregon State, former Clemson quarterback. So uh, that's going to be notable. Obviously, Edge Liatu Latu for UCLA. I'm looking forward to
1: seeing some Latu and yeah. comparing with uh, Dallas Turner because I'll be watching some some uh, some Dallas right and
0: uh, some uh, Jared Verse. And then uh, offensive tackle for Oregon State, Joshua Gray, is another option I like as him. well.
1: I like him. Keep an eye on Joshua Gray because I think again the Chiefs are going to be positioned for offensive line. You mentioned the greatest off or the great offensive lineman to watch in the Miami game and Notre Dame and Notre Dame. Put uh, Joshua Gray on there as well for Morgan.
0: So there are a lot of great options here. We're starting to really kind of solidify which positions to watch out for. Um, I think the four big positions there are defensive tackle, um, wide receiver, and offensive tackle. And then after that, I really kind of feel like there's kind of luxury positions that the Chiefs can go after after that. But those are the three main positions to look out for there. Um, obviously, you want to watch out for the quarterbacks as well, just because that could very well affect the Chiefs' ability to get the player that they want in the draft. So You need
1: all quarterbacks to play well. Yes, you do. Every single damn day. One yes, of them.
0: everyone to play great, everyone to get drafted in the first round. So with that, we will make sure that we have the week seven recap. Biggest stories there best performances, guys who made themselves a lot of money from this coming weekend for college football. For Jay Binkley, I'm Christian Ocero. We'll catch you guys next week.